the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. An ally and mouthpiece of the Russian president questions if Ukraine will even exist in two years. The Russians have lost probably somewhere in the tune of 20 to 30 percent of their armored force. President Biden sends a sharp letter to oil companies regarding gasoline prices. Our president, when he came in, said he wanted to end the fossil fuel industry. Pro-abortion terror group announces pregnancy centers are fair game. We have seen uh, an uptick of that type of arson and, and bombing. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, June 16th. I'm Mike Scott. One of Russian President Vladimir Putin's closest allies and loudest mouthpieces is ominously suggesting that Ukraine may not exist in two years' time. Dmitry Medvedev, former president and prime minister of the Russian Federation, who serves as deputy head of the country's Security Council, took to his Telegram channel Wednesday, musing about Ukraine's attempts to secure gas imports from its Western allies. Gazprom, a Russian energy corporation, announced a reduction in natural gas flows through a key European pipeline for the second day in a row on Wednesday, creating further energy turmoil for Europe as it tries to reduce its extensive use of Russian oil and natural gas amid the war in Ukraine. Meantime, Leaders of seven NATO nations from across Europe pledged their support Tuesday for Sweden and Finland's bids to join the alliance and for providing more heavy weapons to help Ukraine battle Russia. At a news conference at NATO headquarters, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says he knows Ukraine will keep wanting more and more weapons. And the international community, he says, will keep on helping. General Milley and I have been in a number of fights. Uh, And uh, when you're in a fight, uh, you can never get enough. Uh, You you always want more. You always believe that you need more. And I have been there. Uh, And so I certainly understand uh, where the Ukrainians are coming from. And we're going to fight hard to get them everything they need. Austin says the Ukrainians are showing they can fight effectively. If we can we get them the means, uh, the materials, the weapons, uh, they've demonstrated that they can put, it, uh, put them to good use. Uh, so we're going to continue to support them uh, with as much as we can and get it to them as fast as we can. Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley says the U.S. and its allies have been training Ukrainian forces on more high-tech weapons. In a few weeks, the Ukrainians will have trained long-range rocket artillery in the fight. Milley says the long-range artillery that the U.S. and other nations are providing is beginning to make a big difference. The Russians have lost probably somewhere in the tune of 20 to 30 percent of their armored force. That's significant. That's huge. 
so the, Rus- the Ukrainians are fighting a very effective fight. The gunman who killed 10 black people in a racist attack at a Buffalo supermarket was charged Wednesday with federal hate crimes and could face the death penalty if convicted. Attorney General Merrick Garland, who halted federal executions last year, did not rule out seeking the death penalty against Peyton Gendron. This is a death penalty eligible crime. The Justice Department has a series of procedures that follows. First, of course, there has to be an indictment. After the indictment, then the regulatory procedures will be followed and the families and the survivors will be consulted. Garland says the Justice Department is charging last month's Buffalo supermarket shooter with federal hate crimes as well. The complaint we have filed today charges Peyton Gendron with 10 counts of committing a hate crime resulting in death, three counts of committing a hate crime involving an attempt to kill, 10 counts of using a firearm to commit murder during and in relation to a crime of violence, and three counts of using and discharging a firearm during and in relation to a crime of violence. President Joe Biden claimed in a Tuesday speech in front of the AFL-CIO that inflation is hitting the rest of the world worse than the United States. However, data from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD, shows that the U.S. boasts higher inflation rates than many other developed countries, the 8.3% inflation rate seen in the U.S. as of April was higher than the 7.8% rate in the U.K., 7.4% in Germany, and the 6.8% rate in Canada. Biden recently also sent letters to seven major U.S. oil refiners like Shell, ExxonMobil, BP, and Marathon, among others, saying in part, it's unacceptable that energy costs are being passed directly on to American families. In that letter, the president also urged the oil refiners to produce more gasoline and diesel, saying that their profits have tripled at a time when Russia's invasion of Ukraine has created a global energy crisis and left Americans struggling to pay at the gas pump. Professor James Coleman is a Robert G. Story Distinguished Faculty Fellow and an energy law professor And he joined the Daybreak Insider podcast to discuss what's behind the rise in energy costs, what Americans should expect, and what the Biden administration should be doing. With the Biden administration passing the blame on who and what is at fault for rising energy costs, Coleman explains, in his opinion, what is really behind the pain at the pump. We were consuming more oil than we were producing for over a year. And so people weren't expecting the world to continue using as much oil as it has. And so there wasn't enough oil produced. Now, that's a general global problem. But in some ways here, it was made worse in the United States, which is the world's number one oil producer, because our president, when he came in, said he wanted to end the fossil fuel industry. And he took a number of steps to try and restrain production here in the United States. And that is contributing now to higher oil and gasoline prices. Coleman explains just how gas prices are affecting the global market. Generally, one of the great things about oil is that because 
it stores a lot of energy in a small space, it is easy to transport around the globe. And that's why it's the energy that you carry with you to power your car, power your airplane, power your uh, shipping, your global shipping. Uh, and so what that means is that it's basically like a single global market for oil. So when prices rise in one place, uh, it, the other parts of the world respond by sending oil there to help meet that shortage. But that means oil prices around the world tend to move in tandem. And so if there are uh, a lot of consumption of oil anywhere in the world, more than we would expect, or if there are shortages of oil anywhere in the world, more than we'd expect, uh, that will lead to price changes here in the United States as well. Coleman also says that relief isn't coming anytime soon. Unfortunately, no. They may moderate a little bit if these high prices cause people to use a little less oil, to drive a little bit less, to fly a little bit less, to purchase less goods that have to be shipped across the country. Uh, But that's unfortunately a painful thing for all of us to have to cut back in all of those ways. And even that would only uh, help move prices down a little bit. You know, the other challenge here is that we're both short of oil because for a whole year we were consuming more oil than we produced. We're actually running out of our stores. We were living off of our stores of oil for a year, and so we're very low in our oil storage. Coleman describes how precarious the situation really is for American oil refineries. All of our refineries that turn that oil into diesel and gasoline, all the oil products that we need, they are running flat out. They are are producing as much as they can of those products, and so... The problem is if there's any further disruption, if there, you know, if there's a problem at one of these refineries or if there's a work stoppage or, um, you know, even if we start using a lot more oil because uh, the pandemic, which is currently such a problem in China, uh, uh, you know, eases, all of those things would lead to a further increase in oil prices. And so, you know, really, if anything goes wrong this summer, we can expect prices to spike even further. Coleman says it's the increased price of diesel fuel that's compounding the inflation Americans are feeling at the grocery store. Well, it's going to hurt. There's no doubt about that. Because diesel, of course, it's immediately seen by anybody who works in trucking or agriculture uh, in a lot of those sort of blue-collar jobs. But all of us see it eventually because the increased cost of trucking, transporting goods, the increased cost of agriculture, that shows up in prices of goods, food, everything we see. And, you know, unfortunately, I have to say, we're just starting to see the impact of that. Those prices may run up further and further um, over time. Coleman also says he believes your electric bill will also begin seeing an increase. I think the other area where we're going to see eventual increases in prices kind of inevitably is in our electricity prices. And, you know, much of the country... The electricity price that you paid is agreed to under a long-term contract or is set by a regulator over a long period of time. But the prices to produce electricity because of the cost of natural gas um, have been rising and and unfortunately may get uh, much higher in the future. So I think, you know, in some ways there'll be a delayed reaction from the market that are going to lead to an increase in prices for months or even years to come. Coleman also weighed in with Daybreak Insider on how Biden's negotiations with Saudi Arabia to produce more oil may not alleviate the energy crunch as much as people would hope. It might have a very small impact. There's an open question about 
you know, how much could Saudi Arabia increase its production above what it currently is uh, if it wanted to? Um, you know, the other the other problem is that um, if Saudi Arabia were to really start trying to run flat out as well, that would have it might present the same problem that we're having in U.S. refineries or elsewhere, which is that you know that really takes up any of the slack, any sort of those last reserves that we're counting on to deal with uh, a crisis. So it might make a small difference. You know, there's also just the you know the ongoing challenge that trying to please Saudi Arabia often means, um, you know, stepping away from negotiations with Iran, which is another, uh, uh, you know, another nation that the Biden administration has been hoping to secure more oil from. So there's not really an easy solution there um, that would satisfy both parties. When asked what the Biden administration could do to help the American energy crisis, Coleman had this to say. The first thing they should do is reverse some of their policies that are preventing new drilling for oil and gas. When they came into office, they implemented uh, a pause on uh, all permitting for any drilling. Uh, They later backed that off to a a pause on leasing, Uh, but really they need to open leasing back up on federal lands and uh, federal waters. That would take a while to have an impact, but that was the key mistake that they made at the start of the administration. They also need to uh, change the policies that they've implemented that are making it harder to build new infrastructure for the oil and gas industry, uh, both, you know, pipelines uh, and other infrastructure, uh, liquefied natural gas, et cetera. So they need to you know, reverse policy on some of those things. Coleman contends that the president needs to work with oil companies instead of against them. Uh, in addition, you know, they should, um, you know, they're already accessing the Strategic Petroleum Reserve very quickly. And frankly, they're getting to the point where, you know, they might actually, that might no longer be helpful because it's actually making the markets more nervous that we don't have enough strategic reserves of oil. Um, I think they can also work with the oil companies. And it sounds like they are starting to, on potentially opening up more refining capacity, that may take some kinds of, uh, you know, waivers in terms of environmental policies that cause refineries um, not to want to expand and to shut down. Um, so there, there are a number of policies like that. I think they are really only starting to take this um, seriously recently, but they're still going to have to be sort of a sea change in how they interact with the oil and gas industry, because it seems like their first instinct is always to sort of Uh, look to cast political blame. We extend our thanks to Professor James Coleman for joining the Daybreak Insider podcast. You can read more from Professor Coleman by going to energylawprof.com or follow him on Twitter at energylawprof. The Justice Department is looking into recent arson attacks against pro-life offices and crisis pregnancy centers. This comes as a violent pro-abortion group called Jane's Revenge, which is connected to the anarchist group Antifa, declares open season on pro-life pregnancy centers. The group issued a lengthy statement that reads, in part, Your 30 days expired yesterday. We offered an honorable way out. You could have walked away. Now the leash is off, and we will make it as hard as possible for your campaign of oppression to continue. We have demonstrated in the past month how easy and fun it is to attack, end quote. 
Daybreak Insider White House correspondent Greg Clugston has more on this developing story from Capitol Hill. Several pro-life facilities have been targeted in recent weeks following a leaked draft opinion that suggests the U.S. Supreme Court is poised to overturn Roe v. Wade. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says Justice Department officials are looking into the matter. They've taken that very seriously. We have seen uh, an uptick of that type of arson and, and bombing and uh, or attempt to bomb. Tensions have been running high on both sides ahead of the Supreme Court's expected ruling. Greg Clugston, Washington. A group seeking to recall Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gascon said on Wednesday it's collected enough signatures to qualify for the ballot. In a statement, the recall DA George Gascon campaign announced it had surpassed 566,000 signatures collected as of Tuesday, which equates to 10% of registered voters in the county and is the required threshold to officially initiate a recall. Organizers said their focus has now turned to collecting as many additional signatures as possible to ensure there is a necessary cushion to offset those that are invalidated by the county registrar voters. The campaign's stated goal is to submit 650,000 to 700,000 signatures or more. Fox 11 in Los Angeles has reaction from those gathering the signatures. The recall effort against L.A. County District Attorney George Gascon says it has more than enough signatures right now to officially initiate a recall. The group has collected 566,857 signatures. That's 10% of registered voters in L.A. County and the most ever collected in L.A. County for any petition. However... The recall committee says it is continuing to gather more signatures as a cushion to cover those that may be invalidated by the county registrar. Remember, all these need to be verified. Its goal is to have 650 to 700,000 signatures to present. Usually about 25% of signatures are thrown out in this sort of thing. The official deadline to submit signatures for the recall DA Gascon campaign is July 6, which is three weeks away. Federal Reserve pushed up interest rates by 0.75 percentage points in the largest increase since 1994. The Fed approved the largest interest rate hike and signaled it would continue lifting rates this year at the most rapid pace in decades as it races to try and slow the economy down a bit and combat inflation running at a 40-year high. Officials agreed to the 0.75 percentage point rate increase at their two-day policy meeting that concluded Wednesday, which will increase the Fed's benchmark federal funds rate to a range between 1.5 and 1.75 percent. New projections showed officials expect the Fed to raise rates at least 3 percent this year. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell made Wednesday's announcement. The committee decided that a larger increase in the target range was warranted at today's meeting. This continues our approach of expeditiously moving our policy rate up to more normal levels, and it will help ensure that longer-term inflation expectations remain well anchored at 2%. Powell says the Fed will watch to see if inflation may go down. Over coming months, we will be looking for compelling evidence that inflation is moving down. 
consistent with inflation returning to 2%. We anticipate that ongoing rate increases will be appropriate. The pace of those changes will continue to depend on the incoming data and the evolving outlook for the economy. Powell goes on to say that the large move was made, but it won't be common. Clearly, today's 75 basis point increase is an unusually large one, and I do not expect moves of this size to be common. From the perspective of today, either a 50 basis point or a 75 basis point increase seems most likely at our next meeting. Americans spending at stores, restaurants, and bars unexpectedly tumbled through May as inflation accelerated at a faster pace. Daybreak Insider's Jeremy House has a look at those numbers. Retail sales fell 0.3% last month to $672.9 billion. Economists surveyed by Bloomberg anticipated an increase of 0.2%. The decline reflects slower spending growth than the 0.7% gain recorded through April. UPS goes back to the future with its latest delivery vehicle, the E-Quad. Daybreak Insider correspondent Julie Walker is in New York and gives us the inside story on the strange new delivery vehicle. It has a horn, it's brown, has the UPS logo and carries packages, but it's not a truck. It's funny looking, but it's probably good for the city, right? You don't have to block up the whole road, but like that's not going to take a lot of packages. That's probably one building's worth of deliveries. New Yorker Ian Lagowitz found out it's an E-Quad, a pedal-assist four-wheel electric cargo bike like a mini slender version of the truck that UPS worker Dighton Anderson was using to deliver packages in Times Square. It's still pretty maneuverable. Like, it can still get you in between cars if, if you need it. There's only one being tested in the U.S. for now, and that's here. UPS says it's meant for dense urban areas. In Times Square, I'm Julie Walker. And finally, according to Chinese state-run media, the nation's 500-meter aperture spherical telescope, or FAST, has detected what could be signals sent from extraterrestrial civilizations. FAST is a radio telescope capable of picking up signals from space. Researchers from Beijing Normal University published their findings in a report Tuesday which claims that the team has discovered, quote, several cases of possible technological traces of extraterrestrial civilizations from outside the Earth. Anton Petrov is host of a Verified Science channel on YouTube and discussed the new report. A signal detected by the Chinese 500 meters aperture spherical radio telescope, also known as FAST, the world's most sensitive radio telescope, located in Guizhou, southwest China. A signal that could be coming from one of the known exoplanets somewhere out there. But like in previous detections of very similar signals, which I'm going to mention in a few minutes, this is still an extremely preliminary detection, it has not been confirmed or actually even released to the public yet, and is literally based on the rumors going on on Twitter, and specifically this tweet you can find in a description by the Global Times, the English language newspaper that's actually state-affiliated and generally only publishes things that have been sort of approved. As in state approved. So basically they would not really be spreading rumors unless there was something going on here. Petrov says that this was not the first signal to be discovered. First of all, the chance that this is actually coming from some kind of extraterrestrial intelligence currently is extremely slim. 
mostly because this is not the first time such signals have been detected and we've discussed this in many other videos before this. But assuming that this is coming from an extraterrestrial intelligence, it will probably take years and years of investigation to finally prove this. But at the moment there is obviously no confirmation of any of this just yet. And it's also not just one signal that was found here. Allegedly, the original team discovered two different signals that was actually found in 2020, but the signals themselves were captured back in 2019. Moreover, this year they found another suspicious signal from observing different exoplanets and specifically a known exoplanet in one of the star systems. The team plans to repeat the observations of the signals in order to discover if the signals are in fact from aliens. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.